You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Mike Chappell is here. I am Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins on the board as well. Many topics to get to as the Colts get set to host the Miami Dolphins this week. Fresh off their first win of the season, the Dolphins, 1-7 on the year. But clearly there is a more important thing going on at Lucas Oil Stadium this weekend, even Syracuse. more so than the that's right, more so than the game. That is a Syracuse legend honored at halftime. Dwight Marvin Freeney. Harrison again? I well, that'd be fantastic. Have them both. Marvin Harrison and Dwight Freeney. Two James, Colts. James Mungro, Steve. James Mungro, bring him in. All of them. Yes. Zaire Franklin, too. But nevertheless, Dwight Freeney will go into the Colts' ring of honor, 18th all-time in the NFL in sacks, more than 120 in his career. And, Mike, we were just talking about it really before the, um, before the show began. Um, Dwight was not at all coming out of Syracuse. You are prototypical NFL defensive end, but he found a way into this league because of his talent, because of his drive, and really became a cornerstone of the Colts in spite of not being that cookie-cutter NFL caliber, you would think, defensive end in college. He had all those the numbers you wanted, like 34 sacks, Everything. 50 tackles, tackles for losses. Loss. He was 6'1". And Robert Mathis said he's not 6'1", he's six foot. I looked at the combine, he was 1.85 meters. That's 6.102 feet. So, But I talked to Bill Polian about it, who drafted him, and he said there was serious discussion because they, these guys, Polian and Chris Ballard and all these guys, they have they have measurables for positions. And and Bill told me that at defensive end, it was 6'3", minimum. You know, preferably 6'4", six, 6'5", six, but they had to get past the fact that Dwight was 6'1". And, you know, they, they did their due diligence, looked at all the tape and talked to people, and finally Bill said that the day or two before the draft, he and Tony Dungy are working the treadmills and they're looking at each other and talking and, and, and Bill said, okay, Tony, we're, we're down to these two players. You know, it was Freeney, and I don't know whether it was John Haynes, John Henderson, or William Bryan, or who it was. I thought it was Albert Hainsworth, but it wasn't. They, they weren't going to take him. And, and Bill said, what do you think? Here's Freeney at 6'1", 265, and the, the end or the tackle was 6'6", 330. <laughs> and Tony said, speed, I want speed. So they settled on, on on Dwight Freeney, and you know it's one of those. And the rest is history. The 125 sacks, three Super Bowl appearances, two with the Colts. Uh, probably, I mean, Hall of Fame certainly worthy. Now, I've got to warn people that pass rushers have have a tough time getting in. It took Kevin Green, who's got 160 sacks, eight or nine years, and you're going to have Demarcus Ware. You're going to have uh, Julius Peppers coming up. So, but. With, with Freeney sort of revolutionized how people evaluated pass rushers. And and then they go the next year and they get Robert Mathis in the fifth round and talking to some people about this. And it was the idea that we've got Peyton and Reggie and Marvin and Edger and, and Dallas Clark and yada, yada, and they're going to score points. And John Turlink, one of the best pass rush defensive line coaches to come down the pike in a long time. He called them the closers. Freeney Mathis, the closers. We know Peyton's going to get us a lead in the, in the fourth quarter, and these guys are going to close games, and they did. So uh, good for Dwight. Th- th- it's funny. There's one trivia question about a note about Dwight going into the ring of honor. You know what it is? What's that? First defensive player. 
Really? First yeah, you're right. First defensive player uh, to go in, and uh, we could always do a poll on who's – Mathis, I, and again, I talked to Robert Mathis, and he's really great to sit down and talk to him. He's probably next. And I told him, I said, I, as much as I want you to – would like to see you get in there, I want to see somebody else get in before him. And that's Tariq Glenn. I just I, – I don't understand why people wave off Tariq Glenn. And t- one, one more thing on Dwight is, is John Turling said the one thing that really, really helped – Dwight Freeney's development is every day in practice he went against Tariq Glenn. Mm-hmm. And this is when Tariq Glenn was a Pro Bowl player. So uh, I'll keep beating the drum for Tariq Glenn, along with a couple of you know, former Colts because there was football prior to Peyton Manning. <laughs> but Robert Matzels will be in, if not next year, then the year after, right right next to Dwight Freeney, which is appropriate. You always bring up, um, who is it, Eugene Daniel? From- Eugene Daniel and Jeff Farad. Yeah. They, they demand attention, consideration. It's just right now we've got there's so many. It's a, it's a backlog, like it, you say, of those guys. Well, it, the problem is the backlog it pushes the older players back even further. Yeah. But uh, it's, what, what's really interesting is every year there's a player they're adding, and these are guys that not only are they ring of honor worthy, they're you know you can argue Hall of Fame worthy. With certainly Freeney and Mathis. Now I'm not going there with a Gary Brackett or a Bob Sanders or somebody like that, but it just showcases how exceptional the 2000s were for this team as far as top-end, you know, indelible talent. Back over the summer when when this news first came out that the Colts were going to put Dwight Freeney in the Ring of Honor, I think we mentioned it, of course, in the Blue Zone podcast. You can go back and check it out. But um, I, I remember looking at the Hall of Fame caliber stats in this debate. You know, like you say, it's tough for pass rushers. Kevin Green took him a long time. He has 40 more sacks in his career than Dwight Freeney did. It, it it stacks up that Freeney and Mathis are both, like, right on that cutoff line. You know, everybody above them, I think, save one guy, was in the Hall of Fame. And virtually everyone below them, who was just, like, a strict pass rusher, or maybe some linebackers Simeon were in there. Rise, yeah, exactly. Like we're, we're, not, we're not in there. So, like, like I said, this is going to be a real test for see if these guys really do make the cut or do not make the cut hall of fame wise. And and you know what that room is like better than, better than anyone, Mike, since you're, you lead discussions in there. But um, when it comes to Freeney and Mathis, I mean, Mathis had something special with his strip sacks, which is an NFL, record. an NFL record. And that, that sets him apart. I think maybe even from Dwight Freeney in this conversation, but nevertheless, you still can't bring up one of these Colts pass rushers without the other. There's no doubt that they both worked together to make the Colts defense what it was during its heyday. There. I went back and I tried to look because, you know, it, it's considered that they, they were the best pass rush tandem in league history, both with, with the Colts had over 120 sacks each mm-hmm. with the Colts. And I can't find another pair that had over 100 sacks with the same team at the same time. You know, you had like, is it Derek Thomas and Neil Smith and, and people like that, but they, they went from team to team. Right. So, But these two guys, again, when we talk about the sheer sacks, and, and that's what these guys are judged on. It, it's, it's numbers. I always joke, sort of, how Dwight Freeney or Robert Mathis could, could stand on the field for 50 plays. And do nothing. Just just stand there. Take up space. But for three plays, if they make that play, they change the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the sacks, Freeney with 125 and a half. He's 18th, as you mentioned. Julius Peppers is fourth all-time, 159 and a half. Demarcus Ware is eighth, 138 and a half. 
Terrell Suggs, 137.5, Jared Allen, John Abraham, Leslie O'Neill. So it has to be something more special. You know, Dwight's been to three Super Bowls, should have won two mm-hmm. until Kyle Shanahan, you know, gave the one away against New 28 England. 28-3. to three. So, yeah, really. I, I remember I was there and I was doing a story on Dwight, how this is going to cement everything, and then you hit the delete button because it's gone. Well, see you later. So, but again, it's just – he, they're just special. Now, the question is going to be, will the fact that they were together, will that hurt each one's candidacy? Because, well, maybe maybe he benefited. Sort of like the Marvin Harrison, uh, Reggie Wayne mm-hmm. uh, debate. You know, did, did they did they hurt each other? Well, it didn't hurt Marvin. So, but it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I'm interested to see who all is coming back in town. I'm sure Peyton and and Reggie, uh, Edron, those guys will be back. At, you know, and the guys that are around town, the Marlon Jacksons and the Gary Brackets and people like that. So it's really special. And what's really, again, what's really special is every year, although it puts, it puts the current team under the gun, it brings back these guys to, to relive, to remind people how really exceptional the two thousands were mm-hmm. and, and the, the, ex, the level of excellence for about a decade that they had. But it's always good to see these guys come back to town. It gave me a chance again to talk to John Turlinks, uh, just and send a shout out to him. He's he's dealing with some things now, but so many of these coaches who who again the Tom Moores and Howard Muds and Mike Murphys, you get to catch up with. And these players, you talk you talk to Freeney and Mathis, and, and they really give a tip of the hat to the John Turlings and with what they did with their career. Uh, no doubt that uh, Dwight Freeney belongs in the Colts Ring of Honor Hall of Fame. To be determined. We'll see about that. But uh, another Syracuse legend takes his uh, takes his spot. Uh, among the ring. Will you wear Lucas your Oil Syracuse Stadium. jersey or something this week? Well, I have many, many orange ties. And uh, I, it's funny. Uh, my uh, my mother-in-law was talking about, um, she was in town uh, seeing the new baby for around Halloween. And she was just making sure, hey, you're going to wear your orange tie for, for Halloween, right, when you're on the air. I was like, which orange tie? <laughs> I, I, are there different shades? Oh, there are many different shades. Yes, there's one Syracuse shade. Uh, I'll... I'll put that out there, but I do have many different shades of orange ties. Absolutely. You got, you got to change things up a little bit. There's the Tennessee orange, there's Syracuse orange, there's like the Texas burnt orange, M- many different shades of orange to get into, but that, that's there's another beach grove orange. There is. Yeah, there is. Go Hornets. There, there that's another podcast for another time. Uh, let's shift uh, our focus to the current Indianapolis Colts hosting the dolphins this weekend. Um, any discussion of the immediate future of the Colts has to start with the quarterback, Jacoby Brissett taken down, in their loss to the Steelers last weekend with an injury, um, a, a knee injury, a sprained MCL is what, Mike, you reported it to be earlier in this week. Um, he gets back to limited practice on Wednesday. He's out on the practice field again on Thursday. So he's at least limited today, maybe it, full. We don't know. Exactly. Um, so questionable, I would say, right now for Sunday's game for sure. Um so that's that that's number one to look out for this week. Is you have to be encouraged because if he's out there yesterday and has some hiccup, a swelling or soreness, whatever, he's he, out, he wouldn't he's be out there Thursday. today. Right. They, they wouldn't he's do out. that. So this is encouraging, and they they were encouraged guardedly on Monday. Remember we talked to Frank, and we did. He said, "Well, Jacoby feels better." You know, he, he he was encouraged by how Jacoby felt. He said, "But that's a far cry from practicing and playing well." We're getting past the far cry, so yep. barring something in practice, I, I think he plays. Initially, I didn't think he would play. That's before he practiced yesterday, and it, it all starts with it, it starts with the quarterback. I, I understand Brian Hoyer came in and played well, you know, saved the the one you know bad pick play. six, yeah. 
but but you it's it's you want your starting quarterback out there. You just do, and you're already going to be without Ty. Ryan Kelly is, is back. He he gave us the thumbs up Tuesday, and he was at, he's, he's been out there. So uh, it, it just makes a world. I don't care if it's Miami, the Dolphins, or the Miami Hurricanes. You you want your starting quarterback out there when you play football. One thing the Colts have not had going for them the past couple weeks is uh, the offensive line. Well, I don't want to say specifically the offensive line, but pass protection, protection. Mike, has not been what it has been earlier in the year. Over the last two weeks. That's uh, numbers not good. Nick Sirianni, offensive coordinator, asked about that. And, and that's why I want to bring up saying it's not just the offensive line. He, he talked about um, the chips on the edges, the tight ends, the running backs. Um, sometimes you got to get the ball out quicker. It, it's it's certainly a team game when you see just offensive. We, when you see the number of sacks, your eyes immediately say, "Oh, the offensive line's playing poorly." That may or may not be true. Want to point that out quickly? But nevertheless, there's something that's um, a little bit of a hiccup right now in the Colts' offensive system. I think Brian Hoyer took a few more sacks than Jacoby would have just Which you would expect. Him. Exactly, yeah. So that's probably processing things a lot slower. Exactly. So so that that probably inflated the number for game two a little bit, but it's definitely some it's a stat that that is there and it, it's in black and white. You have nine sacks over the last two games. So. Seven over the first six games. Right. So already doubled in just and, two and games. I, and I think Quentin Nelson's dealing with something with the hip that that he's not at that high level and I'm not saying that's what contributed to Brissett's injury because remember, Quentin Nelson got shoved back into he did by quarterback a, by an elite defensive correct, tackle, correct. Cam so, Hayward. Right. Yeah. So, but again, it, it's it's to ignore it would be crazy, and they're not. And it's 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 almost like that you you you, you want the bounce back and you want to get things fixed up, and it, it's like okay, here you are. Here's, here's the Miami Dolphins. You know, get yourself yeah. fixed. You get yourself fixed, right? So, uh, but we'll see. There, there are there are things they did so many things wrong at Pittsburgh. So many things wrong. The penalties. Darius Leonard get you know gifted three points. We could argue whether it should have been a penalty at the end of the half or not, but he shouldn't. He shouldn't have put himself in that position. The half's over, and the pick six and Vinatieri missing an extra point and the and the the the, the bad duck forty uh, three yarder at the end. And and they they still should have won. That that's what's crazy about this team is they've done in two or three games so many things wrong, and they should be seven and one. Mm-hmm. It was it was baffling. I I was at the game. I was watching it from the press box, and just neither team seemed like it wanted to win. The Steelers were exactly who I thought they were. They're they, not very good. No, they're not a great team. They are a great front seven on right. defense. And Minka Fitzpatrick is really good. He got the pick six on Brian Hoyer on a pass that should not have been thrown. Right. He didn't make an elite play on that. The ball was right to him. But he's he's a very very good member. It's like of the secondary. four interceptions. Is it? I think since he's had he's since he's there. been there. Yeah, yeah. Like he's racking them up quickly. But but still, that that offense is not impressive. He. Mason Rudolph just checked down. He to is Jaylen not the Samuels future. He is not the future every, quarterback. I think he had like thirteen or fourteen catches, right. Samuels, and that's not because he was making great plays or that's they were scheming all these screens to him. It's because Mason Rudolph kept checking down and checking down and checking down to him. It was it was really painful to watch that offense, and it was more painful, I'm sure, for any Colts fan to come to the end of the game having seen all the mistakes that have been made, and then finally, hey, it's on the foot of your elite Hall of Fame future kicker. Jump and in, jo- jump Joe, in anytime, Joe, anytime Joe. you want to talk about Adam Vinatieri. <laughs> Is there anything I really need to say? I mean, there's I, not I, really. You know, I don't want to kick the dead horse. It, it, 
it's sad to see a legend go out like this. You hope he can keep it together for the rest of the year. Um, you got to imagine this is probably his last year. I'd think so right now, unless there's a serious injury that we're not hearing about and he thinks he can rehab it in the offseason and wants to come better and come back better and have a better swan song, so to speak. I wouldn't rule that out entirely, but I I think I would lean more toward this as his last year right now. And we talked to Vinny today and you know, he's taken he's taking all the blame, but I've got to make the kick. I've got to make the kick and you know, well the the laces were I mean whatever you say it sounds like you're making excuses. Mm-hmm. I, I guess what I'd say, there it's a reason, not an excuse. But there, there's a reason that kickers kick away from laces. You know, they they don't kick on the laces because it impacts your your kick. Right. And I again, I haven't got his numbers in front of me. How many how many kicks, field goals, and PATs that Vinny's attempted in his career? I don't know, fifteen hundred. I don't know. And I said, how many have you kicked? flat on the laces like that and he couldn't think of a one so uh, it's it's i think part of what part of it here i go making i'll say reasons not excuses part mm-hmm. of it he's dealing with a le- an injury to his left knee he just is i don't care the team's not talking about it and he's not an injury report but he's got something with his left knee that's been with him since training camp and he's dealing with it and i think it's one of those that's going to get better in the off season uh but on top of that, it wasn't a smooth operation. Rigo just couldn't put the ball down the way he needed to. And part of that is, I think, when Vinatieri starts, you know, it's a 1.3-second operation. Mm-hmm. So yep. there's not a lot of time to, nope. to to adjust. And I think when, when Vinny starts his moving into the ball, he sees nothing but laces. And I think he sort of tried to adjust on the fly, and, you just, and it just made it even worse. But he did say it was funny. He said, yeah, we, somebody joked, well, maybe you should start practicing hitting laces. He said, well, we did we did yesterday in, in, in Wednesday's practice. And we said, how did it go? He said, well, we missed them until we started. We missed them left until we started adjusting. But he said, that's probably something we're practicing. That's never going to happen again. Hmm. Remember Frank Reich said maybe one in a hundred yeah. situation. So, but it, but it still boils down to make the kicks. And if he, if, if, if he simply does his job this year, they're seven and one, you know, he, he makes one of those kicks, Take take a pick of in the Either Chargers one. game, you know they win that game. It doesn't go overtime, and then this one. So uh, we were talking a lot in the press room about this, and every not everybody, a lot of people want them to make a change. Mm-hmm. You know, do something. Yep. You know the, the 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 definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. Well, here we are, but I think they've really boxed themselves into to what do you do. Because if you make a change, uh, IndyStar did a, put a chart together, and every free agent that's out there, if you put their stats together, they're seventy percent. <laughs> so what you're going to be doing is you're going to be bringing in somebody who's kicking like Vinny is. Uh, you know, do you, you, you go out and try Matt Bryant? I think he's kicked pretty well, but he's missed a couple of key field goals for the, for the Falcons. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Cody Parkey's out there. Double doink. He was awful last year. I mean, before the double doink. So I don't know. I, I think if they were going to make a change, they should have done it after week two when they brought in six guys, mm-hmm. and none of those guys knocked your socks off. But I don't know what they do now. Frank is still – I have. it's funny, though. If you listen to Frank, and I'm reading things into his quotes, initially it was, I have all the confidence in the world in Adam Vinatieri. 
And after this game on Monday, it was like, I have a lot of confidence in Adam. So it's sort of you're looking at degrees. But I just don't know what change you make uh, because you know, I, I, I guess you'd argue, well, what anything would be better, but I I don't know that that's true. I I just I don't know that that's true. I I think they're stuck with this. That's a bad phrase, certainly for Adam. But I don't know what you do to make a change because it's it's no it's like any position. Let's say receiver, tight end, offensive line. It's November, and people who are free agents on the street, they're out there for a reason, especially place kickers. I mean, you know, Bill Belichick's on what his third, fourth? I think at least his third. And uh, so I, we'll see. Uh, the, the 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 disturbing point out is he's missed ten kicks, and we're ten we're ten weeks in, ten uh, eight games in. Right. And Andy Starr also pointed out that the only one other kicker over the last twenty years has has had ten misses in his first eight games and still held his job. Adam Vinatieri hmm. in nineteen ninety six when he missed twelve kicks. With the Patriots, so I, I I think this is where they're going. The, the one thing that I think is encouraging for the team is the vast majority of the rest of their games are indoors slash good weather places. I think the, the only two outdoors I think are Jacksonville and Tampa. Are they? In Tampa? I believe so. Yeah, everything else is is indoors. So we'll see. But again, not to harp on it, and and, and Vinny won't confirm it but the left knee is still something he's dealing with he was asked twice about it today and each time he sort of hesitated and said i'm fine but the bottom line th- this is nobody cares mm-hmm. it's cold but no one no one cares because jacoby Brissett did this or hoyer did this it's a bottom line business and when your kicker is only on the field five times a game you know, sixty percent, seventy percent is not good enough. So it's he's got to make his kicks. We've talked Percet, we've talked uh, Vinatieri, uh, some injury updates beyond those two, and we include Vinatieri somewhat in the injury updates since uh, that's uh, well, you've listened to the podcast so far, so that that's why he's there. Paris Campbell had a procedure on his broken hand on Monday, going to miss that's some gonna, time. That's going to miss. He's going to miss some time. Yeah, and with T.Y. Hilton still very much, I would say, on the outside looking in, even a miraculous T.Y. Hilton recovery this weekend is very much unlikely. Boy, maybe Jacksonville, though, from yeah. the way Frank talked. I, he he sounded optimistic about T.Y. He, he did. He said the guy's weird. He's a freak. He's kind of like Edger and James where he's a freakish player in that regard. So I, I'm not ruling out the Jacksonville game at all, and certainly – not when T-Wag goes home to Houston. Joe? Yeah, I was just about to say, after that, they have Houston that Thursday after Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So if he's not ready for Jacksonville or it's a game-time decision, with a quick turnaround, Houston might be a good spot. Um, that's the other outdoor facility that uh, we couldn't think of off the top of our heads that Vinatieri will kick in. Where? Houston? Jacksonville? Houston, yes. Oh, okay. So we that's indoor. A, Houston's indoor. Houston's, Houston's yeah, indoor? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, it's, retract- it's retractable? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It is retractable. The two two outdoors are are Jacksonville. So you're not wrong. Yeah, I was gonna say. I swear (laughs) I've seen like like light coming in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you got it. Um, Nevertheless, without T.Y. Hilton, without Paris Campbell, now this weekend. And Devin Funches. Devin Funches still not practicing for the love. They're. they're, I've. I, I am stunned that 
Devin Funches has not been practicing. And Frank Reich was asked about that specifically this week, and he gave gave the reason. He says once you start practicing, you get three weeks. There's a three twenty one days window exactly twenty one days where you have to get on to the active roster or you are done for the season. So they are putting it back because they want to be absolutely sure that Devin Funches will be ready to go during that three weeks. Because if, if they had started the clock. Two weeks, Two weeks ago. ago, then he's got to be active this week. Yes. Or, or or else. Right. You either activate him or he stays on IR. Right. So they're really stretching this out as long as they can. Uh, maybe uh, And to me, he's, he's got to practice next week. I would think he has to, I yes. see very little chance that he practices Wednesday and plays against Jacksonville. That, that's not the way they've done things. It's not. Right. So uh, the problem that it's doing is now all of a sudden your, your receivers are – Zach Pascal. God bless Zach Pascal. Oh, where would you be? I, 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 we may have talked to this. We're going in training camp, and we're you know doing our roster cuts to fifty three. Mm-hmm. Like, does and he I'm make thinking, it? does he make it or not? Yeah, because remember, with Chester Rogers, well, he's our punt returner. Well, then yeah. that means, and where would you be without him? Mm. But you've got you've got Pascal, you got Chester Rogers, you've got Deion Kane and Ashlyn Doolin. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of think they're going to activate someone from the practice squad, Marcus Johnson. Uh, Chad Williams, mm-hmm. Marcus Johnson showed, showed some, some flashes last year. And, before and, he he, got and then he had was it the knee or the ankle, whatever it was. I don't at, remember against the Jets. But, Scored a uh, touchdown against the Jets. That's what I mean. And, and the then Jets, they, yeah. they put him back to return a kickoff, and it was just a fluky out of bounds play. Yeah, but they just they've got to get something uh, in the passing game. Although I tell you, if you look at the numbers, which sometimes we do that, Miami's defense is 29th overall. 31st against the run, 31st runs or rushes per attempt, 150, 150.8 yards a game, 4.7 an attempt by their defense. Does that cry out Marlon Mack? It, All day it, it just, long. It just does. So uh, I think that's kind of what they do. But we talked to, you know, it was a nice locker room today. We talked to Eric Ebron, and, you know, Joe's got his run the damn ball hat. And Ebrins would say, throw the damn ball. To me. To me. Yes. Uh, so, and you can argue they need to. He's had like 31 targets in eight games, which I think that's down a little bit from last year, but mm-hmm. his snaps are down. He's, he's in like 34% of the snaps now. Last year it was closer to 50, I think. I need to, I need to brush up on that. But his whole point is that when, when the offense is in these close games like they are, you know, go to your better players who who can make plays, which he did last year. He did all he, year long. Pittsburgh two two targets, two uh, two catches, sixteen yards, and it's kind of funny. We he's a lot of what he said made sense, and then uh, I said, "Well, when your you know players ask for the ball, I said that could come off as being selfish." He said, "I'm one of the least selfish players in this room." Mm. You want to give an eye roll, mm. but uh, he, he he did. I said, "Well." Because he said, well, Coach and I have talked, and I said, well, it's kind of good that Frank has an open-door policy. He said, I kicked the door down. Mm-hmm. So he you know, he, he felt confident enough, and I think that's one good thing about Frank Reich is he does have a policy where, hey, if you have issues, come see me. Come talk to me. And some coaches aren't like that. They just aren't. Uh, but, but Ebron simply wants to be more involved and, and needs to be more involved. And when you've got your, your, your receiver core so banged up, this isn't just Ebron. They're not using. I mean, Moali Cox. What, what, what's he have? Does he have a half a dozen catches? I mean, if if that. 
and Jack Doyle hasn't really been. He may have as many targets as Ebron does, but but they're not using what they admit they think is the best tight end group in the league, and they're really not maximizing it. Joe, did you? Uh, Mo Ali Cox has just five catches all yeah. year. There you go. So they've hardly used him. As far as Doyle, he's got three more targets than Ebron. Uh, much higher catch percentage though. He's caught twenty four of them as opposed to. But but he would. But he would. He would. Yeah, they're, they're uh, he runs different routes. Big uh, play. More, yeah. more. I, so I always sort of joke that I, it, it's Jack seven point eight Doyle. <laughs> That's kind of what. And, and, and I don't mean it to be, you know, a, a, a knock on him. But when it's third and seven, where's Jack? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's it's he he doesn't give you a ton of yards after the catch. He's going to catch the ball. Andrew Luck. I mean, he and Andrew Luck, they were like eighty percent. Uh, accuracy, which the way they throw the ball to him, where he's he's running that, it's not really a check down, but the intermediate route, you're going to get better than, than when you're going more downfield to Ebron. And of course, and Ebron's got an occasional drop that, that that hurts things. But the bottom line is that it, as much as they want, they're going to run the ball this week. To me, this has got the Buffalo game written all over it from last from year. Last year, the 37 to five or whatever. Oh, and it was, was like 40 carries for 200 and something. Yeah. Sometimes when it's so obvious, that's not what it is. But you sort of want to say, let's let's not overthink this. Mm-hmm. This is an awful, awful team you're playing. You know, again, I went, I went and looked at this. They're awful. They're just not bad in one. Mike's the, breaking it down. They are, okay, o- offense, 30th in yards, 30th in points, 31st rushing, defense, 29 total, 32 points. They're getting beat by an average of 32 to 12. I mean, that, that's, that's tough to do. And the two teams that they've kept down, they, they've sort of limited some, some, some scores recently, but it was against like, against like Washington. Here it is. And the Jets. Yes. It's amazing how whenever you're looking for bad games, uh, the Jets, was they beat 28 to, 26 to 18. And we, we were talking before we went on the air. You had one team tanking Miami mm-hmm. and one team trying to win the Jets, and the Jets got – Rolled, incredible. It can always be worse, Colts fans. You could be a Jets fan, but they're trying to win and they're embarrassing themselves. But you you look at the the Miami's points given up: fifty nine, forty three, thirty one, thirty seventeen to Washington, which is awful. Thirty one to Buffalo, which is not an offensive juggernaut. Twenty seven to Pittsburgh, and they're not. And eighteen to the Jets. So there's just not much there. They're, they're leading receivers at Preston Williams. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's out. He's out, and you got Parker, who's a good player, uh, but they're averaging three point one yards per carry. Three point one That's, per carry. Let me see if I do the math. It's fourth and one, right? If you run three times, yes. it's fourth and less than one, right? But it's just it's <clears throat> in. And they just lost their lead back, Mark Walton, to suspension. Yep. Why well, I didn't see? Okay, four didn't. games for suspend uh, for violating the NFL's conduct pol- uh, policy, substance abuse. Well, so he was arrested three times in the offseason. And there's a joke. Oh, th- so this wasn't something he did recently. Uh, no, yeah, Miami so. said they knew this was probably coming, and so they said, we'll trade away Kenyon Drake before the suspension right. comes, so mm-hmm. we're really bad. Right. And and with you know Fitzpatrick's quarterback, I, I, I'll predict right now what his line is going to be on Sunday. He's going to throw for 290, two touchdowns, and minimum three interceptions. Minimum three. Minimum three. Maybe ah, four. Because hey. that, that's what he does. He 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 get, He's like that guy that you think, hey, maybe. And then now he a couple of a couple of funky passes. But the, if we're sitting 
in the press box at 5.30, 6 o'clock on Sunday. And we're not just kind of flipping through Twitter. If we're still interested in the game, something's wrong because this is not a very good Miami team. I would not be a good person to have on Frank's staff right now because I'd have a hard time telling my players that. Chap's already looking forward to Jacksonville. You, you really need to hone in this week because, well, and normally when, again, like I said, normally when it's it's too good to be true, something goes wrong. But I think Frank made a really good point is, is how hard will it be to to focus and get your players up for a team, a Miami team's one and seven. He said, unfortunately, we're coming off a loss. So, and, and, you know, let's say they go to Pittsburgh and they win, if Venetrae kicks that, maybe you have more of an issue mm-hmm. as far as how do we get ready for this. This should not be an issue. And Better not be. It was a young team, and the way Frank is, I, I think he'll have their attention, and I will be absolutely shocked if the Colts lay another egg and there's another another Oakland game or, or whatever where you just don't play well. Well, if indeed Ryan Fitzpatrick is throwing three or four interceptions, whatever it is, it's probably a good day for the Colts secondary. But the Colts secondary is a little bit banged up yet again this week. Pierre Desir hasn't played the last two weeks in spite of being upgraded from doubtful to questionable I on Saturday. Surpri- I was surprised he didn't play. I was too. Like when the when the inactives list came out, I saw his name. I was like, what? Are you sure? Is this this typo? Yep. No. But no, no Pierre Desir so last I, week. I assume he went out there pregame and... It just didn't feel right. Uh, I would guess, I guess, yeah. Just not 100% yet. Because Frank has said, again, we brought this up last week, he wants Pierre Desir back 100%. Doesn't want to play him. He's still kind of hurt. Play him, he's still kind of hurt. And just fuddle around. For the rest of the season, exactly. that's what you're dealing with. And I, so, so, again, then you make an argument. Is, is this a game where you say, you know, we, we should be able to win this game without Pierre, and we need him for the last seven games or, right. or whatever. So I, I don't know, but... Generally, they've been very, very cautious on dealing with injured players. That's why I say, like with Ty, Ty is different. And Frank mentioned he said this guy. He said you always have players. You listen to them, and they they're weighted in the discussion. When it's Ty, he has more weight in what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but Pierre, it's interesting. I think he was limited again today. So we'll see. Uh, Malik Hooker did practice. We talked about him briefly. He, he did practice today. He's got a knee issue. And some guys, you just you just hope they they could stay healthy. And here we are with uh, Paris Campbell and talking to him. He's frustrated. I mean, he showed at Pittsburgh, boy, this guy can add a dimension to your offense that you don't have. And when's the last time the Colts had a player like him? What he had three carries for twenty seven yards, mm-hmm. and uh, should have scored a touchdown. Where the, was it? The ten yard line tra- uh, tripped him up. On the one where he fumbled yeah, out of bounds, just, yeah, boom. So, just but uh, he he gives you a he, he gives you a dimension you don't have, and then and he's got the fractured hands. And again, Frank said that they have no intentions of IR immediately, but I got the impression with with him that this is going to be three or four games with uh, Paris Campbell. It's I would say more than, more likely than not that it's going to take a little bit of time to get him back, and then of course T Y Hilton's still out, so there's there, there's a lot of questions on the Colts. At just period, both sides of the ball for, for injuries right now. We'll mention Ryan Kelly before we move on. Had a, quote, burner last week uh, against the Steelers, but um, he said he's fine already this week. He doesn't he, like the term burner or stinger. Well, it, you can like it or not like it. It's, it, it's I don't like, like to call it. A neck injury. Ah. 
neck injury. And I said, well, it's fun. Because I said, well, normally with those, you lose like strength on an arm or whatever. And he said, we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) I don't want people to think I've lost strength on my arms, but he's going to wear a neck roll, which he hates to do because it's too bulky. But he did that. He had one of these last year Mm -hmm. and he wore a bulkier neck roll to keep, to keep your neck from, from going too much one direction or another. But uh, it was funny. That's the first snap they've missed this year. By injury to the offensive line. By any offensive lineman right. when Ryan Kelly stepped out. Right. Then he came back in, and then he was out. He was out. The I, I think yeah. that's one where he, it, it really – it was he, he just him. couldn't do it. Right. It well, was, what was funny, though, is that when he went out, went into the locker room for a little bit to be tested, mm-hmm. and he came back in the second quarter, and Brian Horst quarterbacking. Yeah. He exactly. took him by – he said, what the hell is this? <laughs> so, but, but again, I, I think they're getting – I think they'll be healthy in some areas, but primarily quarterback, but – they can still use another week or two to get. They need Ty. Is this where we tell people that they're zero and six without Ty Hilton? Yeah, this is the exact time of the show. We say where we bring that up. Zero and six in Ty Hilton's career when he's injured, missing Correct. a game. The, the, the last game they won without Ty Hilton. Ty Hilton was still up for Florida International. So there you go. Well, uh, you're you're facing the one and seven Miami Dolphins it, this it, week it, without it comes, Ty Hilton. It, it comes most likely back to that and uh, an unstoppable force, an immovable object. <laughs> It's just when you're playing teams, the, the problem is the Colts have played down to the competition. They have at times this year, which, mm-hmm. which is which is not a good thing to do. They've played up to it with Kansas City and Houston, but they played down to it with, you know, I, I guess Oakland. I think you could say Falcons and the Falcons, and you just can't do that. And that's got to drive Frank Wright crazy because he wants that. I don't want to say flatline because flatline means you're dead. But he, he wants that one where you're not up and down one week after another. He wants that consistency, even keel. And, I, again, I think it's it's going to help these guys. It's teaching points that they played poorly in just about every area. They talked about the, the week before where it was a, the complete team victory. This was a complete team loss where it was everybody. Everybody did something wrong. I'll, I'll say who's doing things right lately is Justin Houston. He's had a sack, I believe, in five straight games now. Four straight, four straight games. games. Five it's, and four. Five and four. Okay, I, it was four and five or five and four or five and six. Yeah. So uh, he, he's he's everything the Colts have, have hoped he was going to be. Also recovered that Except fumble. a good quote. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that, they, they could live without that. I we, can't, we would though. prefer we, that. We yes. always, we always I, I think that there should be some – we should have some voice in in bringing players in, or more so when they're going to cut players. Mm-hmm. Let us have that one or two exception to where you can't get rid of this guy because he's a great quote. Right, we need him in the locker room. He but we, to... I was talking to Justin Houston today, and I said, you know, that's four straight games with sacks. And do you do you ever feel the momentum? Do you get sort of on a roll? And as a pass rusher, and he said, no. He said, I give all glory to God. And you know, it's a it's a it's a group's his. his this is four in a row. This is the second longest streak of his career. He had six twice in. Remember, he had the twenty-two sacks in twenty uh, ten. Was that twenty fourteen? Twenty four. Okay, it was much more recent. Than he I had thought. Sorry. six streak, six uh, six games twice that year. Beyond that, it was the last four games of last year, and, and these. So, and this is what you want. This is what you brought him here for. That's what free and masses were here for. What people? It's funny. Back in the Freeney days, we'll transition back to those guys. It was. Well, pe- people ran past him, you know, because he was he was rushing a quarterback, so they they ran at him and, and guys broke off runs in, inside of him, and and yeah, they did at times. But you, you get Freeney and Mathis and Houston and, and and these guys, 
to rush the quarterback, mm-hmm. to, to, to impact the passing game. And we're f- starting to see that the pass rush, which was non-existent for that, was it two games, the third and fourth game, I think it was. They're getting after him pretty good now. And it, it, it was a crippling loss to lose to Ray, but we're seeing Banigou coming up with things. We're still, I, I think the guy that needs to kind of get unleashed now is Denico Autry. He's been quiet. Uh, Jabal shared. We it's like every week we talk about Jabal shared. He makes at least one just, so important play every you, week. You look at his line; it's, it's going to be six tackles, a tackle for loss, and maybe a pass defense. And you're thinking, really? No, really, because mm-hmm. when he makes plays, they make a difference. And he's a free agent at the end of the season. And I'm telling you, I'd give this guy two years, whatever the going rate for his free agency is, and not blink twice because he he just adds so much. Uh, in the locker room, on the field. And some guys, when you get to a certain age, they, they want to get younger. You may get younger than your ball shared. You won't get better than your ball shared. Speaking of the pass rush, I thought it'd be a little fun to see how many Dolphins offensive linemen you guys can name. I can name two of them. I talked to two of them last year. <laughs> I, know you, I know you did. You know them? Hang on. Let me think. I, I guess they were Colts last year. Is Evan Bame one of them? They started yep. for the Colts last year. Evan Bames right guard. started. Oh, jeez. Remember, he, he had the all-time great quote last year when he took over for Ryan Kelly at what, I don't know what, it was like game 11 or 12, and they had that streak of no sacks allowed. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you know, I'm in the same meeting rooms with Ryan Kelly. And we're thinking, really? I bet Ryan Kelly thought, yeah, but you don't know who the other one is? He, start, he started for the Colts. I'm sure. I'm going to feel like an idiot. The season opener, he started for the Colts. Son of a gun. He doesn't run because he didn't go to Syracuse. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if he's if he's not a Syracuse Jamarcus guy. Webb. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Started the opener and he had a groin or a hamstring. Is on. I think IR. it was hamstring. I think it was that. Kept he's their starting left down. tackle. Yep. I wonder which side Justin Houston's going to line up on. Hmm. Then they uh, also have a rookie starting at left guard, Michael Dieter from Wisconsin. Those Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Boys. Um, Daniel Kilgore, former 49er at center, and. Jesse Davis at right tackle. Jesse Another. the body Davis. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> not a whole lot. Uh, he was in the Predator movie, that. wasn't he? Well, that was Jesse Ventura. Jesse the body Ventura. <laughs> yes. That was that was me being an idiot. I apologize. But, but again, it's just they're in they're in such dramatic and obvious reboot mode. Uh, and, and again, I, I look at the numbers. They're they're rushing. They're averaging like is it sixty three yards a game rushing? That's obscene, uh, and, and you you just can't. This is where again you you take care of the football. Don't have the two or three drop passes. Don't have certainly a pick six, but but take care of the football. And and how does Miami beat you? I I just I don't get it. Now if I'm a betting man, do I lay? Ten and a half. Or Ten and a half. I think that's eh, what I saw earlier this week. Because one you know the other good note is the Colts have. Eight straight games, seven possessions or fewer. Seven points or fewer, one possession. Right, right, right. right, right. right. Yes. Seven points or fewer. And the, it's the, it's, they're one of like five teams in, in league history. And the only one with longer than eight are the Detroit Lions of 2016. They had like 11. And incredibly, their 11, first 11 games were one, one possession games. But when, 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 you, when you play tight games, you can't just – you can't have personal fouls. You can't have pick sixes. You can't have holding sacks. I mean, what whatever again, whatever could go wrong last week went wrong. The laces and all that stuff. And th- this is a good team. It's not that good. 
No. Um, it, it was... You, you keep bringing up all the mistakes last week. I'm having, like, flashbacks from this. I'm, I, I'm not even, like, a Colts fan. I was just covering the game, and it was it was painful to watch up it, there. It was a pretty depressing Monday show for me and uh, Stato Matty over there. I can imagine, yes. It was a lot of happy things like, to uh, talk about. Well, they had, you know, and it was, yes, the, I, I sort of looked that I could contribute 24 points to the Colts aiding them on. You know, I think there were 17 on, on turnovers. Yeah. Now, I guess the one is there was one on the, the forced fumble sack by Hoyer. They lost a sack on fourth down. Is that a, I think the NFL still counts that as a turnover. You know, technically, yeah. Yeah, but you were, you were, but, but still, it was a touchdown. And then you get the three, you get three points on Vinny's miss, another point on Vinny's uh, extra, point block. extra point block, three points that they gifted on uh, Darius Leonard's late. Yep, flag the at the end half. of the first half. So it, it was 24 points. That, uh, Ch- I think they may have scored on Chester. Yeah, they did score on Chester Rogers' uh, fumble. That, that was just a disgusting play, man. Yeah, him and Naheem Hines, I don't know what they were doing trying but, to return okay, that punt. Okay, but once you catch it, don't fumble it. That's, yeah, uh, that's the problem, too. That, that's another problem. There were two problems on that. Right. One, they had no idea what was happening. And then I wonder, two, how, often you, you I wonder how often you practice free kicks. Probably not often. Then but, that's... I'm sure they did a few more times this week. It was so frustrating because you take away like one of those dozen mistakes right. in the Colts. Any, any one. Any one. Any one of them. That's why everyone in the locker room after that game was no one was blaming Adam Vinatieri because everyone knew we, sh- we shouldn't have put him that in that loss. position. Exactly. Everyone knew that it was their fault in that position. And that's why Adam Vinatieri comes out and takes blame this week because he's a professional and he knows that he could have done better. Everyone in that locker room knew that they could have done better in that game. And you know what? Maybe that effort can beat the Miami Dolphins this week, but let, let's not do that. Again, please let let's not let's let's perform like professionals. One interesting thing, since we again bring up Vinatieri, that maybe fans don't understand. Again, I like I'd like to pull and Vinatieri did sort. He said, you know, why don't you guys? Because I said, well, how much does kicking the laces straight on impact you? And he really wouldn't get into it. He said, what you need to do is pull the thirty-one other kickers and ask them. Because if I if I talk about it. I'm making excuses. Yeah. So he's telling us that, and again, the fact that they go to great lengths to not kick laces tells you. But it matters. It, it, and it's not, and it's crazy. It's not the holder. Mm-hmm. It's the snapper. I remember doing a story. I, I'm thinking the guy was, it was, it wasn't Justin Snow. It was the guy before him, Bradford Mana, on long snapping, and and I was certainly a lot younger at the time, and, and not as up to, to to what they do, but. He was telling me, of course, it's 1.3 seconds from operation. And he told me that it's the snapper's job to get the, goal, the ball back to where all the holder does is set it down. The laces get to him, and they're out, and all he does is set it down. Right. It's like, I don't know, three and a half or four revolutions at the ball. It, it's incredible that a guy is, is bent over, snapping the ball, and he's got such control over it that the ball gets right back to where the holder has to put it down. Now, if you go back and look at the operation, the snap wasn't right, and then really Riggle made it worse. He spun it right he, into he, it. It's like, okay, you're not looking directly at this, at this laces. Here you go. Let, let me let you <laughs> pure, a pure look at it. Right. But, uh, it, it again, maybe that's why the team is, is so steadfast with Vinny 
you know, the fact that it was, you know, because Frank came right out and said it was operational. Mm-hmm. Did he say a, he a, did. Flu, a fluke operational? Yeah, and on Sunday he said it was not a clean operation, like That's right after the game. That was right. that was his direct quote. And then right. on Monday he came out and said it was a fluke because when Rigo caught it, he couldn't feel the laces anywhere. And right. that is a fluke thing. Like, you right. cannot find the laces So how do you put it, it down? You're, you're just guessing. Like, what do I do here? Right, because, right. again, it's not like, you know, let's, let's hold on a minute and let me get this thing straight. Right. But uh, it, the, the problem with that is, in fans' eyes, all you're doing is making excuses. What about the the nine kicks he's missed before that? So they, they they've run out of time or run out of chances to say, well, it's this, it's that. Just make your kicks. And again, we we talked again. Moving forward, six of the last eight games, there won't be any wind and rain and and all this. So you gotta get it fixed. I'm gonna make one more point, and then we can mercifully move on from Adam Vinatieri if you guys so desire. But um, Pat McAfee like had had a great, great, great explanation of everything on Twitter, like just a video from his podcast when he went through it, and no one would know this whole um, system better than him, who has done it for Vinatieri for so many years. And so many people were blaming Vinatieri because his foot hit the ground beforehand. But Pat pointed out that that happens all the time with NFL kickers and Vinatieri in particular. He would like Pat would leave games with um, either turf or those or black the, the rubber right. all over his arm. Like, kickers do that to straighten out their foot. It allows them to kick the ball cleaner for whatever reason. You know that it, it's not like golf where if you hit four inches behind the ball, you're in a whole lot of trouble. It's it's different for kickers. So he pointed out that he talked about that's the snapper's job to get the laces ready. It's it's the holder's job to get it down and all that. So, so if you want a good seven minute, seven more minutes on on Adam Vinatieri, look up Pat McAfee on Twitter and see that video. There was one that it was a one earlier than that. I thought where he he put a clip up where he's watching the kick, he's watching the game as it's going as it's going. Yes, that was another. He one. He had like five or six TV screens and he's yes. watching the Colts and he's talking this. You know, he's going out there and he said, as soon as I saw the laces, I thought we're in trouble. Yep. And of course, it, he duck cooked it and all that. But it, it's it's and people are saying, well, he's and I even thought, well, you're just giving air cover to your buddy. But I think McAfee's been he's very good at explaining things, and he, he's taken Vinny to test this season. Mm-hmm. So so I I, I it's it, it's interesting. And if you got like you said ten minutes, dial it up. It's it's good stuff, and uh, it's just you just want to get to the point. Again, we were talking in the media room today, and it's your priorities now moving forward as the media. One, win the game because it's easier to cover this team when they win. And it's, you know, you get playoffs and all that. Number two, keep your quarterback healthy. Well, that didn't happen last week either. And three, have your kicker make kicks. So so that's kind of where we are. And uh, hopefully, again, it's you, you talked about, you know, the players talking about all the things they did wrong in the locker room. It, it's going to be a great teaching point when if Frank says, you guys are so full of yourself, really? Let's show you what you did wrong at mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. So mm-hmm. I think it, if they have another clunker this week, I will be stunned. Prediction time for Colts-Dolphins this weekend. A 4 o'clock kickoff broadcast on CBS 4 in central Indiana. I'll go first. I think the Colts are too much for the Dolphins, but I don't think it's going to be that exciting of a game in terms of points scored. They're, without T.Y. Hilton, the Colts' offense is clearly not – the Colts offense that uh, fans know and love 23 16. So I still think it's within a one score game right there. Uh, but that that's my prediction for this weekend. Is that with reset playing? Uh, I think, I think, 
I think Brissett is in. I don't think it matters all too much because I think I think Hoyer came in and did a pretty darn good job. I mean, he threw three touchdowns. He made one glaring mistake. That was a terrible throw. Except for the gunshot, Mrs. Lincoln. How'd you like to play? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I I think they break the uh, one possession. I think it's 27-13, 27-10 because I think the, this defense is starting to play better. And I think the offense will play well enough. They're, again, I think it's going to be a short game because they're, they're going to they're going to run the ball. This is going to be. This is like the third week in a row. You've said it's going to be a short game. I, I Two, understand it. Yeah, I, I saw something where like three of the shortest games over the last X number of years has been the Washington Redskins. Really, like two hours and forty minutes. So you can be bad and be off the field in a hurry. Yeah, they just kind of want to get in and get out as mm-hmm. quickly as possible. Right. This Amen year. to that. But I think 27-13, I think the Dolphins won't get much done. I think they're going to turn the ball over a couple of times. And let's get out of the stadium without any injuries or controversies or missed kicks. I'm going to go somewhere around there. I was thinking like maybe 26 to 14. I think the Dolphins are going to score a touchdown or two. Um, you know, because Fitz- They've scored 12 touchdowns this year. Total. Their two 20-plus point games have come to the last three weeks. Who did they play? The Jets. Steelers. And no, it wasn't. Okay, they didn't get 20. The, it, was the it was okay, the Bills. It was the Buffalo Bills. It was another good defensive team. Um, so this Dolphins team, they're tired of being embarrassed. I, I'm going to give them 14 points. So is my neighbor, down. and he's, he always embarrasses himself because that's what he does. <laughs> You are what your neighbor listens. I don't probably well, probably not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly around the AFC South, the Houston Texans are on a bye at six and three. The Colts can take back the division lead with a win over Miami this weekend, but the Texans retook it with the Colts' loss to the Steelers. Jacksonville Jaguars also on a bye at four and five. They will take on the Colts next weekend here in with Indianapolis Nick Foles. with Nick Foles as starting quarterback. The Gardner Minshew era is at least on pause. Amazing for now. Somebody compared that to the Jeremy Lin. Linsanity. A little bit. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Tennessee Titans, four and five, are at home in Nashville, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes expected to be back. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has performed pretty darn well. Uh, seven total touchdowns, just three interceptions. Well, just three interceptions. Seven total touchdowns, 300 plus passing yards in uh, two of his. Uh, three games, so uh, certainly better numbers than than Tannehill. Uh, than Tannehill, better numbers than Mariota. How quickly we forget Marcus Mariota? Yeah, I think he will quickly uh, fall into uh, obscurity in terms of. Uh, we were talking South. about that with next year teams that need quarterbacks. Tennessee's right there. Well, look who's going to be out there: uh, Marcus Mariota, probably. Mm-hmm. James Winston, perhaps. James Winston, Andy uh, Dalton, Cam Newton, Cam Newton, Tom Brady. <laughs> If Tom Brady, good Lord, if he moves. If Peyton Manning can be traded. Yeah, anybody Or cut, can not trade, right. traded, but cut. Right, right. But no, that, that would be. You. But they're, they're going to, the, the bottom, there are going to be quarterbacks out there for the quick fix. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, we'll see. Colts and Dolphins on Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock kickoff on CBS 4 Indy. This is the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can download and subscribe, get it delivered to your podcast listening devices whenever it comes out. Mike Chappell is at mchappell51 on Twitter. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. I am at Dave G underscore sports. I'm Dave Griffiths. And the Colts Blue Zone podcast is at Colts Blue Zone. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we'll see you next time on the Blue Zone. 